0: Soulmates podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. And we are returning to K dramas, but it's not a K drama, is it? It's a J drama. A J drama. So this episode, we're going to be reviewing a Japanese drama because we haven't done one in a while. We really have not done one in a while. Life's been kind of crazy, though. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Kind of crazy. But we hope to be doing some more drama reviews because we always like to update our K dramas you should be watching panel. Our repertoire. Our repertoire. Something for our Rolodex. Yes. When people always come up at the end and be like, so do you have any more? And I'm always like, oh. Any more suggestions? <laughs> I know you just gave us like 25, but I would like some more. <laughs> yes. Let's get right into it. We are reviewing Million Yen Women, which is a 2017 Netflix J-drama. So this drama can be found on Netflix, which is really nice. If you have a Netflix subscription or your friend does and you use theirs, you can just watch this whole J-drama on Netflix. If you are a Netflix member. (laughs) A exclusive (laughs) member of Netflix. So this J-drama was actually adapted like many Asian dramas. It was adapted from a manga by Shunju Aono. And it stars Yujiro Noda, who is the lead vocalist of a Japanese rock band called Radwimps. <laughs> you know, that's it, cute. <laughs> they, he kind of is a rad wimp. Oh my god, we'll get into that. But uh, the band I think started around like 2006, 2007. Think of the music that happened then—some pop rock. Yeah, and um, they're still actually releasing music today. That's awesome. The, the lineup is a little different, but this guy is still the lead singer. He's always been the lead singer. And now he plays the rhythm guitar. Um, if you are a fan of Radwimps, your boy is in this. <laughs> and apparently this was his first ever acting role. And he is the, the male lead. I thought he did a really good job. Debatable. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> For it being his first acting thing, I, th- I thought it was really good. Um, I guess I don't know him personally, so I don't know what he was like in real life. I just, I didn't enjoy the character. But we'll, we'll get into that. So there are 12 episodes, so it's pretty short. Yeah, and each episode's only about half an hour long, so if you have a particularly long plane ride, like around a six hour plane ride, you can knock this all out in one plane ride. And that's kind of what I did when I flew to Boston at the beginning of this month, so. I watched it on my lunch break. Nice. Yeah, for a couple of days. It was a very intense lunch break. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's definitely not like a light romance. drama at all it's definitely something that i wouldn't have thought to watch before you suggested it because i'm usually not like a mystery thriller kind of person Mm -hmm. or at least i like to watch mystery thrillers that are english language so i don't have to look at the scary parts and can just listen yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it was an interesting show why don't um we give the standard wikipedia summary That usually is not correct. All right, here we go. Shin Michima is an unpopular novelist. He has lived with five mysterious women in the same house for about half a year. These five women pay Shin a million yen every month for rent and living expenses, about 30 times higher than normal. They have roles in the house and questions about the women are banned. When I read the Netflix little blurb before I started watching, I was like, what the fuck? What could this possibly be about? And immediately watching it, I was like, a plot this weird can only be based off of a manga. Yeah. Only. Yeah. (laughs) Weird circumstances. Mysterious circumstances. (laughs) So basically, these five women have all received an invitation, a mysterious invitation that Mm. we don't know the contents of, that says that they can live with Shin. And they have to pay him a million yen a month, which is a lot of money. We don't know why they came. We don't know why they have so much money. All we know is that Shin is a novelist who hasn't really had any success. And he's a total fucking wimp. This guy could not make eye contact to save his life. His bangs are in his eyes. He is always in a monotone. He is so emo. (laughs) I just wanted to shake him and be like, Will you be a fucking person? Stop this! What are you? <laughs> like, stop being the slime. Like, I feel like he was slime in human form, just existing in time and space. So you learned this really quickly about his character, so I'm not spoiling anything, but I feel like a lot of what has to do with what his personality is like when you are watching the show is because his father killed his mother and his mother's lover, So his father's on death row and he visits him in prison and he just carries a lot of guilt about that and is depressed about that because his father did those things and he receives death threats all the time and he has to visit the mother of one of the people that his father killed because he also killed the police officer that came in to investigate. So his father killed three total people. But I feel like that's why his character is like that and- It may have been a little bit of that as well as this being this actress first acting gig. Mm -hmm. But I thought he played that pretty well. Like he was very reserved, very cold emotionally, not cold, but just like unfeeling like how you are when you're depressed. When you're depressed, you don't really feel emotion. You just kind of feel nothing. And I felt like he did that pretty well. I got that very much from him the whole time, except at the end. Yeah, except at the end. Yes, I understand the character choices that he made, and I honestly think it's, like, the writing of this character- Probably. That I just do not like, period. (laughs) But, like, he receives faxes that are, like, die, scum, like, you don't deserve to live while other people are dead, and stuff like that, every day. And I'm just like, unplug your fucking fax machine! Why?! like it made no sense like that was one of the mysteries and when it solved i was just like okay it didn't really have any bearing on the plot but it was like one of the mysteries like who's sending the faxes yeah and it was just like who cares well i know why he didn't unplug the fax machine he didn't unplug the fax machine because this story is still set not in exactly present day but in enough of the future where everyone has a cell phone But Shin does not have a cell phone. He doesn't carry a cell phone. But he is a writer, so his editor needs a way to get in contact with him. So he has a house phone that is also a fax machine. Get a new house phone. (laughs) Change your number or, I don't know, like, get a razor. Like, with the amount of rent money, he could have afforded a very nice phone. Right, but I feel like part of his character, too, is that he wants to feel punished. It was just annoying to me, personally. (laughs) I understand why it was, but I You just it, hate it. <laughs> I hated it. It felt like this character had no agency, and that annoyed me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This show revolves around six main characters, basically. Let's explain the characters a little bit more before we get into the meaty plot details, so everyone can kind of get an understanding of who the characters are, and then my complete bewilderment at them. Okay, the first character we'll talk about is Manami Shirakawa. She is the oldest of the women that are living at the house. She is 30 years old. She is a very interesting character because she's usually nude. Yeah. I was really shocked. I was like, <laughs> damn, this is a Netflix show. Yes, yeah, so she's a nudist at home who has a mysterious demeanor and occasionally violent tendencies. And she is the president of the ultra luxury call girl club and minami refers to shin as just novel the next one is hitomi sukamoto and she is 26 years old she's very merry um and she usually does yoga every day she's the daughter of an influential novelist who has died and she appears to be very infatuated by shin but he doesn't seem to understand that yeah he's kind of an idiot too kind of an idiot um, the next girl is Yuki Kobayashi. She is 24 years old and is very quiet. The only thing we really know about her is that she is married to a wealthy elderly man for whom she was previously a maid. The next one is Midori Suzumura, and she is a 17-year-old high school girl. She was raised in an orphanage. She got her money from winning the lottery, basically. Yeah. <laughs> And the last but not least is Nanakaseki. She is 20 years old, and she's very clumsy and loves drinking milk, of all things. Ranch milk. Ranch milk. (laughs) That was the brand. (laughs) We find out a few episodes in that she is a famous actress, and she began her career as a child. And we've already covered the main character, Shin Mijima. They call him Michi. Well, (laughs) mostly Nanaka calls him Michi. So those are our cast of characters, and pretty quickly you learn the backstories of everyone within, I would say, the first five episodes, pretty much. Yeah. We're not going to spoil the big twist at the end. Yeah. So we won't do that. But let's talk about the plot, just a little bit. The plot's fucking weird. (laughs) The plot is weird because there's a few things happening at once. It's not just one storyline. So basically the main mystery that Shin is trying to solve is where did all these women come from? And why were they sent an invitation to his house specifically? Because he didn't send it. (laughs) I'll reveal that much. He didn't send the invitations. And all these women are ridiculously wealthy. But he can't ask any questions of them, so he has no idea where they are getting the money from, what they do for a living, any of that, unless they tell him. So that's one of like the rules of the quote-unquote contract. And then we have the mystery of the threatening fax machine. There is a plot where he's trying to get out his latest novel, and his editor is kind of hounding him about it. Yeah, And they're like, it needs to be a success or else you're going to get dropped. And there's all this pressure about his novel. And then when he finally does publish it, it's like a surprise smash hit.
1: <laughs> but, well,
0: Well, <laughs> but is it though? <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah. a lot about his book specifically because he isn't a very famous or popular writer. And he kind of has, like, a rival, I guess you could say, who's an author who's extremely popular. He's basically light Yagami. He looks like him, and he acts like him. Oh my god, yes. He's such a little shit. He is a little shit. You'll see, if you watch the show, you'll see that kind of interaction that they have, or lack thereof. It's kind of, they don't really ever talk to each other, but they are, like, competing nonetheless. Oh, and just for perspective, a million yen is about $10,000. It's so, a lot. So just imagine paying $10,000 in rent a month. These women all have uh, extremely expendable incomes, even though Shin cooks for them. Yeah, <laughs> Apparently- Shin's basically their bitch. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. He is their bitch, and these women inspire him to write in one way or another. So one of the issues that I found with this show was that it made it seem like every woman on the show wanted to bang Shin. Yeah. Every single one. Even the 17-year-old high school girl. Yeah, that was weird. I can't say that I did not anticipate it, because it is literally the setup for a harem. Mm Mm-hmm. So watching many animes in the past kind of anticipated that to be the case. It's kind of boring writing, in my opinion, for it to be that predictable. But in defense of this show and the author, and Netflix's interpretation of this manga. Nothing creepy happens between Shin and the teenage girl, which I appreciate because she is 17 years old, and they make a point in the show to say that he would not do anything with her until she was of legal age, which is, I guess, 18 in Japan also. In Japan, the age of consent is 14? Oh, I think that might have been for us, uh, Western viewers in the subtitles. <laughs> Maybe so. But he may have just said when you're older. but Pro- Probably out of school is. So I appreciated that at least that this 31 year old man was not going to prey upon this teenage girl that expressed interest in him. He basically just said that no, having sex isn't, you know, the be all end all of everything. And while I do think you're attractive, like, I'm not going to sleep with you because that's wrong. I really wish we didn't have to see her in her underwear. Yeah. that That's one of the things that I straight up was not having a good time with. <laughs> yeah. But the other three women who express interest, the only one who doesn't is Yuki because she's married. Yeah. <laughs> one of them takes like a bath with him. The other one makes out with him and she's like, do you want to fuck? And then he of course is like, oh, oh, and she's like, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then like the uh, the other one was just like ogling him from afar, but never does anything. Yeah. I was just like, this man is barely a human. Yeah. <laughs> like they're he, like, we love him. We want to fix him. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to, it's like, <laughs> I swear to God, it was just like this man is basically a depression robot. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so manga, you know. It is, and I mean. <sighs> I wish that they could have avoided that, but, you know, they wanted to bring some emotional intensity to the later storylines. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, guess what, guys? People die in this show. People do die in this show. We're not going to say who. <laughs> no, we're not going to say who. I I think it's interesting that they did make that choice for people to die in the show, because Shin himself, when when he's writing his novels, He makes a point to say the same goddamn thing every time he's writing, which is, nobody dies in my books. Because I don't want them to. Because he doesn't want them to. But people end up dying in his real life, and he has to deal with not only the people that his father has killed, but also with the people that end up dying later in the show. So even though he never puts death in his books, death is in his real life. That's an interesting English literature 10th grade juxtaposition we could analyze. Yes, death is a character in the show itself. Yes. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm glad you hit upon that, because I'm pretty sure that was one of the themes of this show, was death. And that death can come for anyone at any time. I think another theme of the show was value. They would say, oh, her life is worth 10 million yen. Or, you know, his book is worth this much. Or this is this celebrity's net worth. Right. And, um... A lot of the time, the characters in the show are valued at what they can do for other people. Like Nanaka, she was a celebrity, and she only seemed to be valued for what people around her could use her for. And Shin doesn't seem to have much value because his novels are not very well known. I feel like that does compare nicely with how someone's, like, distinctive value has to do with how their personality traits are shown in, in the show, too. Like, Shin does not care about money. Shin writes his novels because he wants people to like novels. That's essentially why he writes. And what he writes about is kind of like everyday life. He doesn't write about grand topics, things that you would perceive to have value. He writes about the ho-hum everyday life and all of the emotions behind that. Nanaka, even though she's an extremely popular actress, could get any acting role that she wants, could get money for that. She wants to do something that she actually enjoys. So I think another theme too is doing what you actually want to do with your life, not just doing something to appease others or to get money. I think the show is sending the message that you should be able to pursue what you want to do, even if what you want to do doesn't have any quote-unquote value that can be exploited by capitalism yeah. and society. <laughs> yep. We're getting socialism. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I do think another one of the themes is following your passion or- For sure. Or following your heart when other people tell you not to. Mm-hmm. Or even- You know, more vaguely, just living your life without cynicism. I feel like Shin's main literary rival is so, so bitter Mm -hmm. and cynical. Wrapped up in himself also. He's very self absorbed. Everything he does, if he's not like number one selling, he is like, I'm worthless him and i don't his boyfriend i guess (laughs) his editor his editor slash boyfriend do this whole convoluted campaign to like discredit shin and stuff Mm -hmm. and at the end of the series it doesn't even matter what they did like they're just like those two shitheads living their life (laughs) yep essentially i think the the show goes out of their way to be like look at these two chuckle fucks like (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you want to talk about the ending Should we talk about the ending? I will just say that the ending is surprisingly light. Yes. For the content of this show. Yes, the ending is satisfying. I will say that. I would say that everything is wrapped up in a nice little bow and that there are no plot threads. Yeah, there's no, I hope there's a second season and then there's never a second season. It's done. You can almost think of it as a six hour movie. You watch the show and it's done. There's no wishing there's a second season and there isn't one. Yeah, and I really like that for mystery slash thriller shows. Because usually for a mystery to really work, it has to be tightly written. And I feel like that is best in shorter spans of time. Yes. You know, one season. So they don't have enough time to fuck it up and put in too many red herrings and get convoluted. Oh my god, yeah. (laughs) This show is written very tightly. Some of the plot threads, I feel like, didn't have much consequence to the story, but every mystery was solved. Every single one. I agree. They could have cut out more fluff, I guess you could say. Like, the fax machine plot we probably could have done without. Yeah. But, in general, I think they did wrap it up really nicely and ended it before it became this big monster that the writers wanted to just finish and move on to a new thing they had. (laughs) Game (coughs) of Thrones. (laughs) Everyone pray for Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Anyways, I think our final thing we have to do is rate the show. So we're going to try something new. We're going to give individual ratings on different parts of the show. So we're going to rate the acting. We're going to rate the story. And then we're going to rate the technical aspects of the show like cinematography music and stuff like that cinnamon photography cinnamon photography i feel like that gives people a better idea of our thoughts of the show and a better idea if they will enjoy it or not because some people like really pretty things even if the story's kind of eh. and then some people do not give a fuck about how it's shot that's true okay so for the acting let's do one to five five being the best one being the worst I would say the acting was a three and a half for me. I felt like all of the women in the show did a fairly good job acting. Shin, I thought, hit it on the nail for what his character was supposed to be. In general, I feel like there could have been more emotion shown from him at the end of the storyline and more emotional cues and keys from the women as they were acting throughout the story. But overall, I didn't think it was distractingly bad but I didn't think it was amazing either. And some of that could be lost in translation for me as well. I actually think that the acting is like a four, only because the woman who played uh, Minami was fucking amazing. She was so good. She was. Out of, yeah, just her, (laughs) five. Loved her. But uh, the other girls I felt like could have given a little bit more to the roles. Let's do the story, just the overall story. What would you give that? I really liked the story. I gave it a 4. I am never really great at predicting plots anyways, but this one really kept me on my toes. When they revealed who the killer is at the end, I did not expect that at all. It came out of left field for me. And I like that it is... It keeps you on the edge of your seat, but there aren't so many plot lines and characters that you get confused. Yeah, (laughs) So (laughs) I like that a lot about the story. The story... I'm going to give it a three and a half, only because the first couple episodes, I was just like, this is fucking boring. (laughs) I was like, okay, so they're living, uh, okay, they're living together. And then when shit started to go down, um, like when his novel suddenly became a success, I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Yeah. And then it kind of started a snowball effect and I was like very interested in the the other half of the show. Mm -hmm. I would say more than half, more than half of the show I enjoyed. But the first couple episodes for me personally, I was like, the mystery of it all wasn't enough to keep me engaged, but I wanted to watch until the end because it was pretty short, so. Technical side. Cinematography, music, anything other than the acting and the story. What do you think? The cinnamon photography, I will give a two and a half. I felt like they relied on and used the same shots over and over. The shots that they did have, I felt lacked depth or imagination. It was just kind of like they were framing the story and using that as mostly everything. The shots, I didn't feel like they were doing anything crazy or really creative with it. So, two and a half. I give it three. If only because of the creative ways they blocked Minami's nipples <laughs> with furniture. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. They did that very well. <laughs> Nothing else, but they did that really well. And um the music, they got me with some of the music. Some of the music was exceptionally creepy. The music over Light Yagami, uh, I was yeah. just like, this boy is fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> like I thought this guy was straight up the murderer for more than half the show. Oh, me too. Mm. Well, sorry, that's a spoiler, but I thought he was too. The, the music is very... Ominous, and mm-hmm. I was just like, I was spooked. Yeah. And I felt like the music was ominous in the appropriate parts of the show. It's not like it was out of nowhere. I think it helped create a sense of dread in a show with some heavy themes. Mm-hmm. It helped carry the emotional weight where some of the acting didn't. Yeah, some of the dialogue didn't. Overall, I think we enjoyed it though. Yeah. I honestly had put this on my list and forgot about it for about six months, and then I was like, hey, I should like actually watch this. And I was pleasantly surprised with, A, how short it was, and B, how much I really rammed through it at the end because it gets very good. Yeah, I think it is one of the rare exceptions where it gets very good at the end. Yes. And a completely satisfying ending. Yes. Satisfying endings which are in short supply right now. Thanks a lot, Game of Thrones. I know. We'll never get over that. Rachel <laughs> and I have been bitching about it for like three weeks. Yep. <laughs> Even before it ended, we were just like, can you believe? What did they do? The audacity of. (laughs) Y'all have no idea. (laughs) We really love short content, don't we? Okay, but short content has its merits, though, because you watch it, you're done. And if they did it right, you are satisfied like this. I don't want to watch something that is eight seasons long and Mm -hmm. just keeps dragging it out because the company that owns it wants to make money. Yes. It's like every season of Buffy was created so that the last episode of the the season could have been the finale. That's the ideal situation for any show. And yes, when things are shorter, you got to work harder to make a complete story. I just like brevity as someone with a journalism degree. Yes. And we're both busy. Yeah. Like, I work full time. Rachel has school. We both have lives. We're trying to do this podcast. There's a lot we have to do. And sometimes you don't want to have to devote 20 to 25 hours of your life to watch something. Sometimes you just want to watch something on a plane. For a or, few hours. Yeah. Or during your lunch period, you know? Yeah. We enjoyed it. And uh, if you like mysteries, if you like drama, if you like naked ladies covering up their naughty bits very strategically with items... <laughs> You will like this show. Yes. And if you have any recommendations for us, please drop them in our email or our Facebook or Instagram or comment on YouTube. Anywhere. anywhere. (laughs) So let's end this with our weekly K-pop recommendation. So my weekly K-pop recommendation is going to be Noir by Soon Me. Rachel and I have been doing hand heart dance that she does in that. All weekend long at MomoCon. Yes. And my weekly recommendation is going to be Senorita by g Idol. At first I didn't like the song, but it's really grown on me. Thank you, horns and trumpet sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. And thank you guys for listening to this episode. You can find Soulmates Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash soulmatespodcast. You can find us on Tumblr at soulmatespodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on Instagram at soulmatespodcast. You can find us on YouTube at soulmatespodcast. You can send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. And you can listen to our podcast wherever you normally listen to podcasts. Pocketcast, Stitcher, Podbean. Wherever. Wherever. We're there. We're there. Like an old friend. We're there for you always. <laughs> Have a great week, guys, and we'll see you on Friday. Goodbye. Bye.